Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh! They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, well, happy Easter if that applies. Sunday, April 17th, 2022 is the year. It's episode 345 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Haters gonna hate Ken Flo. That's okay. We all got him. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad representing the channel memorably this weekend some would argue that's the wrong adverb but uh it's good to see you Ken Flo. a lot to get to in the main event and uh you know Bilal Muhammad unranked when we started remember the show here in 2020 look at him now yeah very impressive first of all I've never had a hater in my life so ha! I don't know what you're talking about that's true uh, yeah, yeah. No, listen, um, you're going to have haters no matter what. But, you know, for Bilal, uh, I was just I, again, this is why I picked him. Um, I, I think there were some interesting moments where maybe I was a little concerned, especially with that left hook that he was kind of running into a little bit at times. But uh, largely, this was an other very smart performance from Bilal Muhammad, who continues to do his homework and execute. Uh, beautiful game plans. The way that he puts it all together uh, is always a pleasure to watch. And, you know, I think he's a study in that you don't have to be perfect at everything. It's how you combine everything that makes the difference. And, um, you know, he's not the best wrestler. He's not the best striker. He's not the best submission artist, but his ability um, to do things at the right time and to have the right approach against various opponents now this isn't just a guy that knows how to fight one style he knows how to beat you in a a variety of ways and um again it's his intelligence that stands out to me after this performance it's a great point i was talking to my twin brother this morning and he keeps hearkening back to something that habib Nurmagomedov said and that's that habib himself is smarter than he is tough he would say you know i'm smarter than i am tough not that i'm not tough but obviously that's a big part of the success for Bilal Muhammad is the fight IQ, the ability to execute and adjust. You know, Dominic Cruz was very, you know, praiseworthy of Bilal for his execution and even seeing weapons, you know, even throwing a spinning back elbow at times because that particular opening might have been there. You know, I think Mm -hmm. Mike Valley deserves a lot of credit for how Bilal is game planning and executing. Um, That left hook in round three, I mean, Luke obviously is a skilled fighter, um, and that was sort of the only major adversity for Bilal in the fight, right? That short left hand from Luke that wobbled him, he seemed to recover. Uh, But other than that, Bilal was able to take him down in four or five rounds, if I'm not mistaken. He was able to control him on the ground at least for 60 seconds or so thereafter, and, uh, you know, easy fight to score and, and a rather dominant win, I would say, for, you know, number five versus number four. 
Yeah, you know, his timing on his takedowns is just impeccable. You know, you don't have to be the best finisher finisher or the best wrestler if you can set them up properly, you know, uh, similar to a, a George St. Pierre. Um, his timing was just better than everybody. So he was so deep on your legs that he was going to finish those takedowns. And Bilal, in, in, a, in a little you know, different fashion was able to set up those takedowns extremely well, uh, largely uh, from his lateral movement. And he sets some beautiful baits and traps to get those takedowns. Yeah. Um, and, and also off of his lateral movement, he was landing shots as well. And for Luke, you know, it, it doesn't make it, uh, you know, an easy fight uh, by any means. But there's very clear patterns to how Vincente Luque was fighting. And I think Bilal was onto it uh, very early. Uh, and, you know, I think there were certain times where Bilal looked a little uncomfortable. Um, I, I think being in a five-round fight, maybe yeah. with some pressure, um, I think he'll adjust eventually to that. But I think it was a, a great experience for Bilal, who was, you know, only going to get tougher fights from, from here on out. He's on an airplane right now. Otherwise, he was scheduled to join us here during the opening segment, uh, but it didn't align as far as our window is concerned. But you can be sure he's going to be heard from on this channel at the very least Thursday with Remember the Show. Um, but, yeah, I think you hit on a couple of truths there in terms of his you know, physical exhaustion when I saw the UFC social media and him walking back. I don't know that I've ever seen him so exhausted, Bilal Muhammad. So getting that 25-minute experience, I think, for him moving forward is absolutely enormous. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought there were some moments of un uncomfortability on the feet a little bit, but I do believe that you're definitely seeing an evolution on the feet in Bilal in terms of his vision, um, creating angles, his strikes. Um, he's just a much more layered striker and his dogged pressure, I think, is going to be a problem for a lot of guys in this division. You know, I, people are asking me a lot on a, a Sunday morning about what the ceiling is for Bilal and you know, get out of here with the gatekeeper term right now. You know, when you look at his signature wins and you look at, at how long this unbeaten streak has lasted for him, you know, I don't know if his ceiling is championship, right? I mean, I do believe that, uh, that there's work to be done to get on the level of a Covington or a Chimaev or a Burns or, uh, or Kamara Usman. Um, but this is a huge step in the right direction. One thing I also want to bring up before I forget Ken Flo, Gilbert Burns pulled Bilal Muhammad aside and he said the body kicks, um, were the biggest factor that Luke was affected by those body kicks. I don't know if you have anything on, on that. I, you know, I, I tell you what, when I was watching the fight to me, they looked absolutely brutal. Those kicks to the liver and to the body were nasty. They were landing very, very heavy. And I, you know, I was uh, looking intently at Luke's face to see if there was any damage or if there was any, right. he was not showing any of it. He was slowing down. But to me, I'm like, how the hell is this yeah. guy not getting dropped or at least backing up after eating these body kicks? Luke, you know, we knew he was tough, but it, it's absolutely confirmed. I, I saw, I, I definitely saw a little bit of a difference in Luke, the way he was moving. But um, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, that, that's good to hear that Luke is, is uh, somewhat human. human. Yeah. 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 And Luque's leg kicks obviously were a big factor in the fight. You know, I thought Vicente mm -hmm. fought well at times. You know, I'm not sure he had enough late um, to rally. And uh, his corner thought it was 2-2. I thought most people did not think it was 2-2 going into that fifth round. Um, but a huge win for Bilal Muhammad. You know, he takes the higher ranking. I believe it was five versus number four, if I'm not mistaken. So mm -hmm. as we sort of spin it forward for Bilal, and we're going to talk to Ray Longo about this, so I'm not going to shortchange our guy. Um I threw out a poll question today. Who do you think will be next? Not who would you like to see next? You know, right. 
who do you think is going to be next? I believe I was, I believe that's the way I phrased it. So um, the, you could say Gilbert Burns, Hamzat Shimaev, Colby Covington, or don't care slash I'm a hater, you know, and sure as shit, 23% of you are fucking haters out there. Gilbert Burns, 50%, Colby Covington, 17%, Hamzat Shimaev, 10%. Um, Bilal thinks I'm too much on the Hamzat train, so I got to be careful saying, oh man, he didn't say Hamzat Shimaev again. But you notice that isn't the name on the tip of his tongue. And I understand why. I think Colby Covington is a fight that makes a lot of sense. And that has been the guy that Bilal has wanted to fight for a long time. You know, I do think those four are going to handle business. I think it's going to be Covington, Chimaev, Burns, and Muhammad. And I think there are going to be two fights out of that mix. Um, what, what do you think they're going to do with uh, Bilal Muhammad? And how would you like to see all that mess, um, for lack of a better way to put it, sorted out? I think for Bilal, I, I think he matches up better against Covington, in my opinion. Yep. Um, yep. I, I think that's a better fight for him. And obviously, you know, he he would like to fight him as well. I think Gilbert didn't lose a damn thing after that Hamzat Chimaev fight. And I think he deserves a guy like a Bilal. Why not? Um, uh, I, I think it's a tougher fight for Bilal. Uh, I think, you know, the way that Gilbert is fighting and the confidence that I'm sure he got after that Hamzat fight. Yeah. Um, I, I think that would be a fantastic fight. Don't know exactly which way it would go. Um, might give a slight edge to Burns right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Hamzat and Colby are probably, uh, gonna go, uh, you know, go next. And, uh, again, just an awesome fight. Um, not so much for Colby, uh, style wise, but I think that's what the UFC wants. And, um, typically what the UFC wants, the UFC gets. Dana White spoke publicly about a possible return to ABC maybe this summer. And I think they're going to get a welterweight main event. And I think it's going to come out of this foursome. Um, you know, I think Chimaev Covington is the dream. You know, there's a lot of shine that comes with a Covington fight. I do believe that Gilbert Burns is uh, is a tricky matchup for anybody, for Bilal mm-hmm. Muhammad for sure. But I think that fight makes a lot of sense. You know, if I'm Bilal and I'm Gilbert, I don't know if you think a five-round fight favors one or the other. I think maybe... I'm not even going to say, right, because I don't want to offend anybody. Um, But I'd be fighting for a co-main event on pay-per-view if I'm those guys as opposed to a five-round main event. I mean, do you think a five-round style in a potential Muhammad Burns situation favors one guy or the other? I think it might favor um, Bilal. You know, um, I I think he struggled a little bit. But again, I I know he was dealing with a lot of stuff leading into this fight. Um, But... uh, yeah, I mean, this was this was a brutal fight uh, for Bilal. I mean, five hard rounds, uh, but I think he's going to gain a lot from this whole experience. And as of right now, as far as a five-rounder, yeah, then maybe I would sway things over Bilal's way. I just got a text from my buddy. Uh, it said, when are we done with the UFC in silent arenas? You know, I'm with it, man. I'm with you. Um, RIP UFC Apex. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> all right. So, you know, there's some people who don't think I know much about fighting, and I would contend to those people you probably know more about fighting than me i probably know more about television formatics than you it is what it is right i am certainly passionate about fighting i've called a lot of high level fights dating to 2009 um but somebody replied to a tweet that i wrote about Bilal muhammad and and so i you know one thing i wrote i would just like to see him add a signature choke to broaden his overall threat but he's a real problem and i said some very nice things on the front end of that Someone wrote to me, Kenny, John, I think it's an American wrestling thing. Usman, Colby, and Bilal all favor control over the submission threat. And I reached out to DC today. I hope I didn't wake him, but I have yet to get a reply. So 
you know, you weren't some amazing double leg guy necessarily, but certainly when you got somebody's back, you're laughing, right? I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about, but when you got somebody's back, the fight was over. Uh, the fight was over, period. You know, Kenny was stronger than you would expect, I'm sure. Daniel Cormier, too. I know you guys in studio would talk a lot about chokes and little nuances when it came to the submission game. And he was able to put a lot of guys away. Now, he was obviously very strong, but DC had chokes for days. And I guess I would just bring this back up. I talk about it with Curtis Blades. Um, you know, it seemed like whenever Bilal would get too offensive and get to Vicente Luque's back, that Vicente was able to get back to his feet. Um, Am I on to anything here, or is it just that these guys, Colby included, you know, seem to lean more towards control than trying to get a guy out of there? I know it's a loaded question on an well, Easter Sunday. Well, I would say this, you know, do they favor control or are they better at control? Do they favor control or are they just not good at submissions? You know, it's not like I have really good submissions, but I just want to control <laughs> them. I, I well, don't want right. to submit them. I prefer right. just controlling them. Right. I want to I want to extend the fight for as long as possible and give them give them as many chances as possible right. for them right. to hit me. I, I think that's the smart approach. No, listen, if that's what they do. That's what they're good at. So that's what they're going to do. So um, I, I think absolutely Bilal and, and Usman and those guys would would uh, definitely um, gain from being sharper with their submissions. Every chance you allow someone to get to their feet, that is a chance for you to get knocked out. Um, so I, I think that uh, there's certain people out there, right? And we've we've all seen them, whether it's the Tony Ferguson's or the Justin Gaethje's or, you know, those zombies that keep coming forward that have iron chins. They don't understand pain. They don't understand doubt. They don't understand um, getting hurt to the chin. You need to have science and physics get involved where it doesn't matter how badly they want to fight. Right. You right. choke off the blood of their brain. They go to sleep. Game right. over. Sorry. Right. Thanks for coming. Right. Well, and like with all due respect to my man, Ken Flo, you know, I'm the president of Team Florian. But like, why is Ken Flo still in the record books in terms of these all time submissions? Right. You would think eventually, right, Kenny, like that eventually guys would start to pass you, whether it be because of longevity, but it's not happening. You know what I mean? It's still Nate Diaz and Kenny Florian. Every time you show a fucking rear naked choke record book, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it doesn't happen. You know, we're going to talk to Claudio Puyas later today. I believe UFC lightweight fighting Clay Guida in the co-main event this weekend. I think he's the only fighter in UFC history with two knee bars. Does he just have the greatest knee bar of all time or do people not know how to execute knee bars? I don't fucking know. You know, right. I'm not going to put on the gi to find out either, you know, but <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. I wonder if, uh, if you had some of these guys as students, you know, uh, am I being too simple when it comes to really trying to master, you know, the, the figure four body lock and a rear naked choke and getting under the neck and switching hands and all that bullshit. Right. I mean, Cody Donovan obviously has worked hard with Curtis, you know, I know it's more fun to, to box, you know, um, but I don't know. I just think that for a Muhammad or a Covington, you know, to add that wrinkle to their game. I mean, you know, Gilbert has it, but he wants to knock you out. I mean, we're one of those guys to really add that to their game. Um, and maybe it's simplistic, but I think uh, because there's a lot of criticism for Bilal today and it drives me nuts. But, you know, certainly if he finishes him with a body kick, you know, he's not Giga Chikadze. But if he finishes him with a body kick or he chokes him out, the whole narrative is different. But because it goes the right. different distance, people have, you know, grounds on which to complain. Yeah, listen, people are going to complain either way. Um, and, and listen, no matter what level you're at, um, fighting is a work in progress constantly. There is not one 
guy in mixed martial arts who is perfect at everything. Um, that you're always going to have your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and, you know, it's something that Bilal, I'm sure, is working on and will work on. And a lot of times it's this. It's I don't know the position so well from the back. I don't know how, how to control so well. Um, so I, I'm just I'd rather stay on top or, you know, uh, kind of ditch the position and go to something else as opposed to maybe get it half ass and then they get out and get on top. And now you just lost your opportunity. So uh, I think it really comes down to really not understanding the position as well as you can. And, you know, I, I think there's some great guys that take it back, obviously. Um, Damian Maya is another guy, of course. And, you know, um, yeah, I think it's it's either ignored or maybe they're they're not just putting in the work in that in that aspect as much as they should. But um, for a guy like Bilal, the way that he sets up his takedowns, I think that might be the next evolution for him. Is you know looking to take that back, yeah. um, control it, and then look for ways to finish from that position, and uh, that will add yet another uh, dangerous wrinkle in his game. Ken Flo kind of agrees with me, folks. I don't know what else to tell you on a Sunday morning, but uh, <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. I think it would be interesting for Bilal to comment on that. And I will also say that we had asked Bilal in the past about leg kicks mm. and he really thought it was a mental and physical toughness thing. Certainly if the nerve gets compromised, however, temporarily it can affect things, but mm. obviously he had to deal with that. Luke was 24 of 26 to the legs and, and Muhammad was able to fight right through that. So congratulations, Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. He has a video podcast on this channel with my twin brother, Jason Thursday night. Remember the show 10 current or Former UFC champions have been on that program. Kayla Harrison also has been on that program. What a peach she is. Um, <laughs> we congratulate Bilal, and I do think it might be Gilbert Dorino Burns next, um, which puts me in an interesting spot because, um, you know, I feel like I'm kind of on both of their teams in some respect, just given where I work out. Won't say I train, but where I work out at the Institute of Human Performance, where Gilbert does, and then obviously we align with Bilal uh, on this channel. So very exciting things. Very exciting things. And Aljamain Sterling, another guy, you know, he could take your back and has good chokes. And um, it doesn't mean that the choke can't be defended, right? Piotr Jan right. defended well. Uh, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I just find myself thinking about this a lot, you know? Somebody knocked Ken Flo out of the record books already. It's fucking 2022. <laughs> um, all right. <clears throat> Anything else for me on this fight card? Did you see Andre Fialho over Miguel Baeza, Caramel Thunder. This Portuguese fighter is very interesting. I think he's the only Portugal-born fighter on the roster right now. Um, and he does happen to do his strength and conditioning there at the Institute of Human Performance, which is neither here nor there. Shout out to JC and Rio Santana. Um, did you see that fight between Fialho and Baeza, man? Fucking unreal. I did. Um, you know, Baeza, you know, he's a guy with so much potential and he gets a lot of these tough fights, man. And yeah. uh, he was certainly in one here against Fialio and uh, a lot of people have been talking about Fialio for a long time. This guy hits very hard. Uh, he's consistent. He's got a chin from hell as well. Um, and man, just uh, heavy hands ended up getting it done uh, in, in a big win. Cause I, I, you know, early on when I saw Baeza fight, I thought he was a very interesting prospect who could do some big things in this sport. Yeah. But uh, Fialio, man, too tough, too heavy handed. Yeah, he's got a lot of experience. And Fialio, another one of these guys who's sort of married to the game. You know, oftentimes I get asked about betting advice over text message or otherwise for these fights. And 
contractually, I'm really not even supposed to respond to those inquiries, you know. Mm. Um, but I have said publicly, you know, betting on the cardio guy and betting on guys who you know are married to the game 24-7, 365, I don't think is ever a bad thing. And I'm not going to sit here on a Sunday morning and suggest that, you know, Vicente Luque lost this fight because his daughter and his one-year-old were with him, you know. But, you know, he was on our channel. We interviewed him on the show before he went back to Brasilia. He's dealing with a newborn, everything. You know, there's just yeah. a lot of different things. And juxtaposed against a guy in Bilal who, even during Ramadan, is just he's married to Instagram, Bilal. But he's also married to the fight game, you know. Yeah, you know, it definitely plays a part. You know, I'm real lucky that I, I didn't uh, have a family when I was fighting, you yeah. know. I being a professional athlete in a lot of different forms, uh, I think especially when it comes to the fight game, uh, there's a certain level of selfishness that you, you must have uh, right. for better or worse. And uh, that could be trouble. But uh, I think the other thing for Luke, just on a technical level, yeah. uh, is his footwork. Um, you know where he's going to be. Uh, you know, he just kind of plots forward. It doesn't mean it's easy to deal with because he is coming forward and he's tough as hell and he's got a chin from hell. But um, knowing uh, that the guy in front of you is predictable and you know where he's going to be based on how he's moving it is not a good thing. And I think that's why Bilal was was getting a, some great timing on those takedowns, why he was landing some shots off of his lateral movement. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'd like to see a little bit more uh, fainting uh, and a little bit more trickery, I think, with his footwork. He's mixing up his strikes well, but I think yeah. he became a little bit too predictable in how he approaches it, that kind of plotting Muay Thai-style um, stance and footwork. Uh, can be good on a striking basis, but um, for MMA, I, I think you need to be a little bit sneakier with it. Mm. One score, I think, was initially announced 49-47, but as I look at it today, 49-46 times two. Dissenting judge had it 48-47, and Bilal Muhammad was the underdog here. He'll be the underdog against Gilbert Burns. He'll be the underdog against Hamza Chimaev and Colby Covington for sure. Um but, you know, I just find it interesting that if, you know, the body kick is one millimeter in a different spot and it finishes Luke, imagine the narrative today. Oh, shit, man. Fucking right. Bilal's finishing dudes with a body kick, you know, and that might even be a false narrative in terms of what to expect in the future. Um, but I love Luke. I love his coaches. That's the other side of this. I know you don't like when I say it, but this is absolutely a two-year championship setback for him and uh, going to be hard for him to work his way to a title fight just given all the depth at 170 pounds. But um, we congratulate Bilal Muhammad. And, uh, you know, to my brother and to Bilal and to Cody Merrow, the executive producer and director of Remember the Show, you know, puff your fucking chest out today if you want, you know, <laughs> seriously, because a lot of hard work has gone into that. It's not like that show is printing money necessarily right now. And, uh, you know, just a lot of hard work, good people. Um, and they're all team Muhammad and, um, it's just very exciting stuff. And, uh, we're very happy for, uh, a really good dude, Bilal. Um, all right, that's going to do it. We'll have more of course, coming up with Ray Longo, um, who has a lot to say is the celebration for UFC Bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling continues. Aljo 176 pounds right now. As of this tape in Kenflow, I told him, no to get, yeah, I said, get up really? to 180. Yeah, he's 176.4. Oh I said, get up to 180 first. That's insane. And then you can turn and burn. And he wrote back, he's like, everything hurts though. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you feel, you know, fucking nutty buddies starting to like push on, you know, your wow. ribcage. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, Ray Longo has answered the bell on this Easter Sunday. Let us get to the Ray Longo minute. 
It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Is that an Anakin Florian podcast T-shirt that you're wearing? That is yeah. outstanding. Keep them coming. Look at that. Look Come at on, that. look at that. I represent. Matching. Ray I'm like I you guys, matching. man. I tell you, was that the uh, was that the CFFC uh, this weekend? Big shout out to Rob Haydack and uh, Arius, the matchmaker, took care of. Uh, really treated me like gold. Treated Aljo great. And uh, my point is with that is that so many people coming up with the. Ray Longo T-shirts on. I don't know. Really? Kenny, it's embarrassing. I love it. I the love guy it. came. They, one, I took a picture with a guy with my shirt, and then I asked him for five dollars so I could buy it. <laughs> That's freaking horrible. No. Actually, we got we got to keep embarrassing Ray out there. So if you can get a shirt, yeah. go up to Ray, please, with See, his face. These on guys think shirt. they're making me happy when they come up to me with the shirt on. I'm miserable. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to meet your daughters one day. I'm like, what do you think about your old man on all these T-shirts? AnnaFlorianPodcast.com. Cody will give us a promo code here in the next 60 seconds. But now that we've cleared up that audio, uh, it's great to see you. We appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us on Easter Sunday. We have special things planned today. We're actually going to go back and watch the first 10 minutes of Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling. We'll watch the first five minutes because obviously people thought round one was close. And then we're going to watch round two again to see – whether or not we all believe it was a 10-8. Obviously, you won't get video here because we don't have the rights, but we will sort of do running commentary and talk about it. But before we do that... Uh, Wait, why don't we have the rights? I thought we were big shots in the UFC. <laughs> Maybe no? you can talk to your buddy, uh, Matt Sarah and see if he can pull some strings. I don't yeah. wield a lot of power. But I will say, Bilal Muhammad really performed in the main event against Vicente Luque. I know you're happy for Bilal. What do you have for us on the main event before we get to uh, the matter at hand? Look, man, he, he came up with a great game plan. The movement was fine. <clears throat> I know a lot of people don't like movement. I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> but, uh, right. you know, yeah, you, you know, whatever. But he had a great game plan. He used his movement when he when he had to do what he had to do. He, you know, with beautiful timing on the takedowns, uh, even his striking. I think with the movement offset, Luke just enough to get his hands going. I just uh, a very smart fight. Very smart Did fight. It- did uh did you see what Aljo weighed this morning or did you not see that yet? I didn't see that yet. All right, I'll say over under 173 pounds. You think he's over or under 173 right now? Over or under 173. Let me hold on. I'm saying he's under. Over 176.4. <laughs> oh man. And that's before Easter dinner. So <laughs> he's not he's not 176. Hey, you're hey. on Instagram. Not quite as much as Bilal, but you're on it enough to know. Go check it out. I'll oh, it. wow. That's wow. Or whatever it is. That's you know? that's pretty uh, big. He's big. Look at this yeah. guy. Suns flash Ray Longo on a fucking Easter Sunday at the gym. You know, pupils walking in, just gives him the look. You yeah. know? <laughs> what do you want me to do? General, Ignore him? General. Ignore him like a cocksucker? No, I got to acknowledge <laughs> everybody. We need a nickname for Longo at Anacolian <laughs> Pod. If Safe Saud wasn't the general, I think that would make a lot of sense. But uh, how about Longo? Winning the UFC championship undisputed in his 40s, 50s, and 60s. I mean, do we have a Hall of Fame trophy for that? <laughs> that, that, I will tell you, will never be topped. 
Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of guys, a lot of guys won't even make it to their sixties. <laughs> well, I don't know that. that that's a feat in itself. That's never Does happened. Have three homegrown home state undisputed UFC champions. Totally impossible. And if huh. they do, they won't have as much hair as Ray Longo. That's right. They definitely that's right. Won't. So I'm going to get them on something. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> I don't care if it's if it comes down yeah. to hair. Then that's what we're doing. Because <laughs> obviously, after a week, after you know, after performing the hat trick, finally. Right. I just, you know, the fans let me know. I just still suck at everything ah. I do, you know. So it's all good. Right. It's all, yeah. all coming. I'm sure it's all coming from a good space. But man, I you, imagine that though. Really, you know, Kenny. There's always that guy who goes to gets to the Olympics. He he wins the silver medal, and some douchebag on the corner goes, "What? You didn't get the gold medal? Like, well, what <laughs> exactly. you know, like they don't even see like just to get to the Olympics is a huge thing." Yeah, just yeah. to have guys fighting for the championship, win or lose, is not an easy thing to do, right? But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I, I love it. I actually embrace it. I love it. We laugh about it at the gym, so it provides a lot of, a lot of entertainment. But yeah. the only thing that matters is I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Kemp what do we got, John? Up on that podium. That's all I'm saying. That yeah. jiu-jitsu competition, that'd be an angry Kemflo. You don't end up on that fucking podium. Yeah. I'm just saying Kemflo ain't looking for fourth place, I'll tell you that. Um, all right, we have a lot to get to today. By the way, shout out to Drakkar Close, right, Kemflo? In terms of like not wanting to spend extra time in the octagon, I know he was a massive betting favorite, but like fighting, like I got to get out of here. Like I'm not trying to, right. you know, take any risk and get dude who's like plus 550 against me, you know? So, um, all right, unless you have anything else, Ray, I would like to get to round one. UFC 273, Bantamweight Championship, Pyotrion versus Aljamain Sterling. Let's do okay? it. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So basically, we're all going to watch this back and sort of give our two cents as it expires. I know I did say, Ray, that when I was watching the fight live, and hopefully this video will start to fire because if it doesn't, this will defeat the whole point. But when I was watching it live, there it goes. I felt like Jan won the first round, but then I looked to my left at the numbers and there was like, oh, there's no way he won the round based upon the numbers, right? Okay. And I also have other things going on, so right. my scorecard really matters the least of the three of us here. Um, right. But what were your thoughts on round one, um, I guess, before watching it back as the action starts? No, I thought he controlled it with his footwork. He fought when he, you know, he fought on his terms, not on Jan's terms, and and that was it. He landed a beautiful elbow, which I thought was the most telling blow in the whole first round. And his ribs were already starting to get red from the body kick the uh, on the liver side. Ken Fall, not going to do play-by-play. -play. Kenny pushed out a tweet that was repurposed. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a little late kick, but at least he's doing something. He's losing his footwork. He looks beautiful. That's the third he's, kick he's thrown. Jan yeah, hasn't thrown right. anything so far. Uh, hasn't done a goddamn thing yet, right? So, look, he's still he's just getting a read. He's going side to side. He's pot-shotting him a little bit. Larry, again, you know. And, again, he's not running. He's not running away. He's using his footwork. Look at that. Takedown attempt. Get stuff. Big swing and a miss. Big swing, big kick, and a miss. I'm gonna okay, wait so as of now, first minute down, who's winning? Yeah, uh, Aljo. Who's winning, sure. John? Aljo for sure, easy. Easy. Still moving, yeah, he's controlling that lead hand beautifully, side to side. That was a kick that's blocked. Another kick. John has yet to throw any strike. Has to do anything. And he's backing up. Every time Aljo throws, he gets the hell out of there. So right. who's controlling what? There's a nice body kick. 
There's a nice, a nice right, right hand. hand. Oh, generous giving him a nice yeah. right hand there. Oh, well, whatever. It's, it's, it's something, around. John. I mean, what, 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 is, what, is Franken, what is Frankenstein doing? Uh, hey, I'm just in just bonus commentary brought to you. Okay, crypto.com, crypto.com. The Please, no, Cody. The one there, time there's, a, the there's a there's a swing and a miss. I love you though. There's a body kick and a swing and a miss. He made a miss. And there's a beautiful body kick. All right, we're two minutes down. Who's winning, John? I want to hear from John you. John still hasn't landed a shot. Uh, John, now who's winning so far? Great start through two minutes. Okay. With two minutes I'll in. I'll read Ken Flo's tweet that I was referencing when we're done watching round one. So under three minutes. Yeah, to look at it. Side yes, to side, side to yes, side. Lateral move. We fucking worked on that. That lateral yeah. movement, right? You guys worked on that. He's moving beautifully. Uh, Piotr Jan stalking his prey out of the south. Well, I think nice he, that, little, that, that nice kick little might, advance that, there from Jan. That, that kick might have landed. Nice. So I, I think, you know, um, the, the, nice. the commentary Front a little kick, bit, nice. John. The commentary at this point, you know, it, when it started, it seemed to kind of focus on Jan and how he was pursuing and looking for a big shot to try to take Aljo out. And it, it was like, you know, it seemed like the narrative maybe from Joe and DC was that, you know, Jan was pursuing, he was looking for a big shot. Um, and it was kind of, th there was no, I thought, um, talk about Aljo landing these shots in the early, in the yeah, early. Couple minutes. Nice. There's a leg kick. All right. Three minutes down. I mean, it's so far, it's very clear. There's a, he punched him, I think, in his lat, in his lap muscle. Right. Nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, I, I guess, think that's fair, and it was felt. No, when you aim for the head and you hit the arm, And again, good. if I nice listen check. back nice through check. any round, that's always a possibility, yeah. and flow, right, that the focus yeah. is too much on one athlete and not on the other. And uh, happens, yeah. Swing and a miss, a big swing and a miss again. Oh, my but God. But I would own that guy. every day of the week. Like, I'm totally okay with that. There's no redos, you know. Um Oh, a little right hook over the top. Nothing I, special. I thought that was a couple blocked. of pot shot jabbing just to keep him occupied. He misses again. Nice yeah, I mean, Aljo is clearly busier at this point. Yeah, without a doubt. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you got to be a fucking fool to score this round for Jan. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Now, we're, we're four minutes in, and the guy's done nothing. Did he get hit with the elbow yet? So, four minutes down, one minute to go in the round. I do yeah. believe Sterling's ahead in the round, and... uh Let's see how this final minute plays out. Aljo circling on the outside. There's a, a couple Jan of doubles up on the left hand, hard to see if it landed. Aljo to the body. Oh! There's the elbow. Oh, what an elbow! <laughs> that was awesome. Holy shit! I can't believe. I think it. I missed that the first. And then Jan is beautiful. Beautiful that pushed him back. But Jan counters with a kick. You don't say anything. Like, I don't want to argue, but. Wait, Charlie Campbell, come here for a second. Just here. Say hi to everybody. Charlie Campbell just crushed it at the CFFC. Just wanted to get a quick shout out. What's up, Charlie Campbell? Congrats, Charlie. Man. A little cameo. That's what you get. That's when you get when I do the podcast at the gym. Cameo appearance from the big, big guns. That's good. Oh. Ray wanted on a the single. Focus. They exchanged some right hands or left hands from Jan. Oh, right, round now. over. Ray John, give us your comment. John, give us your comment. Late in the round. No, I think oh. Aljo won that round 10 9. Ken Flo tweeted go back and watch round one. Watch for landed strikes, effective techniques, etc. Not a controversial decision. Walking forward and not throwing slash landing anything doesn't win you a round. One, two, three for Aljo, four and five for Jan. All right. Beautiful. So, yes, I will Easy. say, now Easy. having watched it back, um, 
Well, again, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it was as easy as you guys do, but yes, 10-9 Sterling. But for me. John, you got to remember, me and Kenny have a very experienced eye. You got to no admit. Doubt. Okay. Hey, and if, you listen to, <laughs> no, and if you listen to the opening segment of our show, I got people who bang on my fight IQ all the time. Join yeah. the party. I don't care. I really right. don't. You know, you I, I'm confident enough in what I bring to the table and what I have seen over, you know, 15 years of watching MMA that I sleep well at night. No, but, of course. You, we know, know what you but, bring to the table. But I also don't notes. think you acknowledged any strike that Jan landed there in round oh, one. Oh, no, no. So I, now I, is round two. No, he hit him in the armpit. I saw that strike. <laughs> so now is round two. And, you know, we'll bail on this probably, Cody, at some point when Aljo has the back. Um, but I think this is a 10-8, Kenny. And... I didn't necessarily think that at the time, even though I did wonder aloud on the broadcast, I did mention it. Mm -hmm. Um, But based upon my interpretation of the way you're supposed to be scoring rounds these days and the way we're trying to affect change with our broken scoring system, um, you know, even if Aljamain wasn't threatening or having submission attempts pile up, um, having the back for that long and preventing Jan from being able to get out of that position um, to me, I, I think you got to go 10-8. Otherwise, our scoring system is just fucked forever. John, yeah. I think you're spot on for a couple reasons. First of all, I, when you take someone's back with the with the body triangle, I equate it to someone sitting up against the cage, covering up, and eating shots exactly. or not for whatever the that amount of time that he had the the back right so 3 minutes if you're if you're just covering up for 3 minutes and you're in the fetal position up against the cage that's a 10-8 like you're not doing anything offensively you're just defending he went right into the mount yeah right now beautiful. now Aljo's Look in the at mount this beautiful here technique. and he beautiful. takes the back and there's nothing offensive that Jan can possibly do from here there's nothing not to mention i think what really sealed the deal is when Aljo got him belly down and landed some really Beautiful. hard shots from that position. Nobody that saw those, Kenny. Nobody like, saw those. Yeah, and it's crazy. That's like, you know, that's the that's the cherry on top for me as far as a 10-8. But like when you're when you're in the body triangle, right? And whether, you know, and, and what we have we've been in here now since three minutes and 40 seconds or something yep. like that. Um that is a lot of time to be in that highly, highly defensive position. There's nothing offensively uh, that Jan was doing or capable of doing from this position. This is as dominant a position as you can get in grappling. This was a 10-8 for sure. Listen, hey, listen. Does Jan want to be there, John? Does he want to be there? No, why can't he get out? He's a he's a world champion, right? Why can't he get out? That you're he has no answer coming at me as if I am like the (laughs) Jan. No, 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 no. No, wait, John. No, hold on a second. Well, you're the only guy that. When I walked away to answer the door, said you scored the round for Jan. So why? Who am I going at? Kenny? He agrees with me. <laughs> well, but I, but having watched it back again, I didn't think it was. I we're, we could disagree until we're blue in the face. We're oh, yeah, on yeah. round two right now. And when like when you say like nobody saw that, you know, I think plenty I'm, of people well, saw I'm, that. I'm, what I'm, about I'm, the I'm, judges? I mean, none of them had a ten eight in round two. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I'm I'm be, I'm trying yeah. I'm trying to be facetious though. I'm not literally, you know, whatever. But the point of this is that Jan has no answer for the body triangle. Yes, you know? exactly. Period. And now it. we're coming up on two minutes in this position, and you know, again, those three words: 
dominance, duration, and damage. And if you want to argue there isn't damage being done, I would challenge you on that because obviously he's sapping his tank to whatever degree, but there's 100%, certainly dominance 100%. and duration for a long-ass time. Look at that. Those. What know? about those shots? What You know? Yeah, Nothing. Yeah. Now he's going for the choke. He did a good job at protecting his neck. I'll give him that, but he couldn't do anything. Um, he got rendered helpless in this round, period. And he, he, here, here for me, these What's are this? hard shots. He's got yeah, a belly down. What's these are this? very hard shots. Listen, uh, John, if this is what it comes down to. Depending on who you like is going to be how you're going to go towards this fight, period. You know, they're in trouble now. They gave the first round to Aljo, and there's a potential 10-8. going to make it hard for Yon to even win the fight after <laughs> that. So I, if you don't think, I swear to God, I know it's human nature. It's just human nature. This is a 10 8 round for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the guy, yeah. guy can't do anything. What's this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, mean, I, I mean, so think John's happy when he looks back at this. No, I know. So now it's been north of three minutes, total domination. I mean, this has got to be clear as day 10 8. And we are going to have scoring expert Sean Sheehan on the program next week. And I will certainly challenge him on this, among other things. You know, I think this is a 48-46 fight now as far as I'm concerned. Is that my math right? 39 uh, or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, 10-9 Aljo in round one for me upon further review. And then this is a clear as day, 10-8 in round two. Clear as day. Listen, let me say something. Everybody, this is what I recommend. Go listen to Brendan Schaub. Go to his podcast, not the Fight Companion, the one he did. He knocks it out of the park. He knocks the cover off the ball. He's dead on with everything he says. Dead on. Thank you, Period. Cody. Some might suggest a 10 8. All right. So, see, there you go, right? Thank you, Cody. See, Cody always support me. All right. There it is. What are you, you going right. to do? I got a little excited. What are you going to no, do? No, it's great. So, yeah, I mean, I really feel like in order to manipulate or better work with our 10 9 must scoring system, you got to be more liberal with the 10 8s. And if that is not a 10 8 round, then I really don't know what we're doing out here. So that's got to feel pretty right. good to watch it back. Um, yeah, no, it's all love, man. It's all love. You know, no, John, but, it felt good. It, John, it felt great when I was there and it feels better even when I'm home. I mean, but I guess for you me, know, like, like again, would, it would have been a tragedy to me if they scored that first round for Jan and he lost that fight. I would have been, I, I would have lost my shit for sure. I mean, I thought it was an easy one, two, three to score, 10 8. In the second round, you know, it's just it, it. It look, it is what it is, man. I don't know. It, it is what it I is. Mean, look, they, I don't they, have a. They don't like interest. Aljo. Nobody but likes it. But I don't have a rooting interest in the fight. Okay, but anyone who watches this show would probably say, despite that I'm close with Jan's manager and increasingly close with Piotr himself, that oh, Anik and Longo are buddies. Of course, he's rooting for fucking oh, Aljo. Yeah, yeah. Sterling. But I'm just telling you, like, if I was a judge, right? On that night watching from my angle, I probably would have gotten that round wrong. And if right. you looked at my scorecards historically, you would have been like, yeah, I mean, that was a bad card from John Anik having 10-9 in round one. No, that would I have think been a bad you, card. You know? I think if you were sitting by yourself, you're going to get that round right. Fair. That's and what I think. And close yeah. point, maybe I need to go back. And I right. was drinking the Yon Kool Aid too much in but round I, one. I didn't hear. I, I, just to be clear, I didn't hear that from you necessarily. But just that the narrative to start um, was kind of you know talking about Yon pursuing the fight and kind of walking forward. But yeah, uh, yeah. But pursuing, yeah, really, but doing. But he wasn't doing basically it. Yeah, yeah. nothing, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I, 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 like again, listen to Brendan Schaub. I think he he knocked the cover off the ball with his his thing, okay. and I, I don't think he's got a dog in the fight. You know what I mean? I'm right. telling you, everybody who said Aljo was was uh, was faking and that he he lost in the first fight. What do they get? They have to double down. They can throw him a little shine, but then they got to go back. You know, look, he took a lot of shit from people making fun of him. You know, yeah. he got knee yeah. in the head. It's not even on him. But for some reason, everything was shifted towards him. It's just, it's rotten, man. I mean, if, uh, let me tell you something. If anybody could talk about mindset, it's Al Jermaine Sterling. I agree. What he had to go through for that year. And I'll tell you, even more importantly to me, how he bounced back after the Marlon Marais fight. This, this kid, he's got something. I mean, you got you to gotta give it up to him. He bounced back from a brutal knockout from Marlon Marais. And look, Marlon's retired now. He's the champion. He stayed the course. He believed in himself, and he stayed the course. And then he had to redo it again for 13 months listening to all this fucking bullshit out there that the guy's getting the Academy Award for taking a knee to the head. Yeah, he should get yeah. the Academy Award for not be not going totally unconscious. That's what you should give him the award for. Yeah. Crazy. No, and it's hard. And one thing Ray and I talked about off the air was when you lose rounds four and five, right? That's not ideal. And sometimes it paints right. a different picture as to the totality of the fight. And people think because Jan won rounds four and five um, that somehow he he won the fight, but uh, he yeah. did not. And uh, it's neither here nor there. You know, one yeah. thing that I did call Ray about was sort of to echo my surprise that some high-profile fighters were sort of coming at Aljo in different ways. And I didn't quite understand the genesis or the source of that venom. Um so I have to say, you know, full transparency, it was nice to see Robert Whitaker sort of publicly acknowledge and apologize to Aljo, I guess, you know, because I just, you know, I guess I can understand some of the ignorance that's out there for Aljamain Sterling and I'll deal with some of it. But I guess when I'm seeing a lot of other pro fighters, come, it's just like, I don't know, it seemed kind of distasteful. And I'm glad that Whitaker walked that back, I guess, you know. Hey, look, I've always been a Whitaker fan. I, I don't really follow social media that much, so I get filled in a lot with uh, with the stuff. I'm glad he apologized, too. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. I think, you know, I, I don't I don't really know, Rob. I, I He just seems like a nice guy. I think I've said hello to him a couple of times. But, uh I'm glad he apologized, and I hope he's not going through something. These guys get hit in the head a lot, I'm not, and I'm not making this about CT, I swear to God, but I'm I'm just saying, like, I see it even in the gym. You know, sometimes you go through a couple of mood swings. Who knows? But I think right. if you watch that fight, you got to be happy foul Jermaine Sterling after what happened in the first fight. Right. You know, I, I remember when I fought in Boston. Um, it was against Gray Maynard. It was one of my, one of my worst performances, I felt like. Um, and I remember after that fight, Dana White said something in regards to, you know, Kenny, Kenny's a choker or something like that. And, um, you know, whether it's true or not, perception is reality. And, and he has such a powerful voice that whatever he says, people are going to repeat and believe. Um, he said that he believed that Jan won that fight. As, as a coach, or, or maybe if you could talk about Aljo's perspective on it, um, you're the champion of the organization and, and, and the guy who's running the show says he thought you lost the fight. How, how, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, Dana, wait, first of all, I like Dana. He's running a business, though. I don't really put a – I mean, I, I listen to him, but, you know, he's – I think you got to remember, for those guys, it's a numbers game, right? And I don't think Aljo is the right numbers guy for them, right? They, they definitely – you know, they, they'll disagree. They, they don't like them for whatever reason. You know what I mean? They, they get behind 
people that fit into whatever their business model is. And as a business guy, I get that completely. So but I, if do he's I, the champ, but if he's the champ, you should embrace you want to support the Yes. Wouldn't you want to support the champ as opposed to downgrade the guy who's representing the number one but if, guy but in the if, division? You know yeah, what I mean? But if, you, the, but if you support the guy who you know his numbers aren't where you want them, that that's might not help you in business. I think I don't I, I always said, look, I'd love to watch the first round with Dana just like this and see what he has to say. There's mm -hmm. no way the guy won the round. Right. And Dana likes I action. Agree. Dana's I an action guy. He likes guys banging. He's not going to. I don't know what he's looking at then. I really don't. But I don't right. think I don't know what purpose it serves. But look, Dana's Dana got to where Dana is because this is what he does. He's good at what he does. And do I agree with what he said? A hundred percent. No. But everybody who watches that tape back knows that. <laughs> Listen, this is the way it is. They know that Aljo won that fight before the decisions announced. Well, and I look think, on Dana's face. Well, the, yeah, the it. phraseology He's He's left something miserable. to be desired. But again, I did this podcast without having watched it back and came on and said that I thought Piotr Jan yeah. won round one. It's all and, good. But I'm saying like it's like Dana has an educated eye. Right. And I don't care what necessarily people think about my eye. But, yeah, maybe I got too caught up in like the forward motion. Right. OK. It's a singular round in MMA. Yes, it's a high profile round, you know, but certainly Dana White and me were not the only ones who, upon first glancing, thought that Jan won the round, you know. But, yes, you're right. Watching it back before you step on a hot microphone obviously has value, but sometimes we're not afforded that, you know? Well, um, you know what it's like? It's like, John, look, when you go to trial for something, right, there's certain times you got to move that trial out of the county to where people aren't going to be biased by what's happened. There's a, there was so much bias in this fight from the first fight that I yeah. believe that this is the result of it, right? It's just you're not going to get – I yeah, mean, I wouldn't if, dismiss that. I would not dismiss yeah, I, that. I mean, I don't know. I'm just I, like, again, this is things that could ever be proven. I just think it's human nature. Well, and I was crushed when Dana said that about Kenny back in the day, because as Joe Stevenson and Clay Guida can attest, those were huge, huge fights and huge spots in Kenny's career fighting on the co-main event under Couture Lesnar and just fucking ruining guys. Um, yeah. So a choke artist, you know, no fuck yeah, choke artist, yeah, fucking choke yeah. you right out, you know. Um, but well, Kempo you know, had some listen, really wait, wait, high profile listen. spots that he emerged from with flying colors. Is all, but, wait, you know, it's it's like anything else. It's like we could we could spin it forward, and maybe five ten years from now, you know, uh, that soundbite from whoever that person is, you know, big or small, whatever, could could be the narrative of that fight, even though it's not true. Ten years from now, but yeah, Aljo won that fight. But if I remember correctly, Jan really won that fight. Uh, he was robbed. And you're like, that's not the way it went right, down right. if you go and watch the fight. So, again, sometimes one little narrative from an important voice uh, will kind of last a long time and, and paint a picture that is just not true. So Right. Okay, let me yeah. ask him, John. Do you think that uh, the brass in the UFC was happy with Bilal's win? Uh, I probably not thrilled uh, with the entertainment <laughs> I mean, value. It you is know? what it is. If you guys don't understand what's going on now, I can't. Yeah. There's no way that they like that fight. <laughs> there's absolutely no way. Right. There's no yeah. way. And the yeah. kid fought a fucking brilliant, smart fight. But brilliant, if Bilal smart finishes fight, brilliant, Vicente, smart, brilliant, smart fights is not what they want. But if they Bilal want Leonard Garcia Vicente, against the Korean zombie just right, swinging for right. the fences. Yeah. That's what fans like. They get. Yeah. It is right. what it is, man. Look, yeah. I like everybody. I don't get, I don't really 
get caught up in that's why I say even like Robert Whitaker, he's entitled to his opinion. I like I'm not gonna dislike him because he's he's talking like that. I'd love to talk to him about it and see exactly right where everything's coming from. Just like with Dana, I'd love to sit there and go, I'd love for me, him and Matt to sit down and watch that first round. That would be good TV because it would be fun. It would be fun. But I'd like to know how why he scored it like that. Yeah. You can't just say the guy won the round. You got to come up with why he won the round. Right. Bottom line, Raymond, you got a lot of world titles, man. You know, it's a, well, you mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that's all it comes down to. You know, it's three all different decades. You know, whatever. Hey, it is what it is. I'm, look, it's I'm having love. a blast. I'm still having fun. The fact that I even got emotional that second round just proves to me I'm still involved and emotionally invested in this shit, which is great for me because without that, I'm, I'm a zero. So uh, it all, it just, it, look, it's a good feeling, you know, when you're doing something. You always want to be the best at what you do. And I think I, I look, I think I've done a great job with, with just even being consistent and staying the course in this field. I mean, I've been there since the beginning, you know, so uh, I don't like to bullshit and come up with different terminologies. You know, I, it is what it is. I break it down to a street fight every time. Yeah. That's what it is to me. It's just two yeah. guys going at it. And I know psych psychologically what's going on. And that's why I try to just motivate these guys you know, the best yeah. I can. Well, you're the man. We love you. Um, have a great rest of your Easter Sunday. So did you listen to the show back last week to know that I mentioned my Jan scorecard when you got off the cans or did someone alert you to that? Oh, uh, not, not someone. Everybody. Everybody. Right. <laughs> I, listen, New York. I, Team tell guys, Longo, I will walk. Into that <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, I tell, listen, John, have I not said, I never want you to agree with me because we're friends. I, have right. I said that. And, and I'm, I'm, and I'm saying this, around, like, I'm I know it's going to get back to you. No, you know, no, of like, course. Like, I mean, this. I mean, so people, we look, we have fun with it. I think yeah, that's. I, right. I think what you did to me when they told me, I couldn't stop laughing. I you go, should, yeah, that's exactly. Son of a bitch. I was just trying but, to have and, fun. And look, you know? even even this kid Brian Petrie, man, don't ever. You could pick against my fighters. I love what this guy does. I I don't want that. I you know I've always been like that. I don't. I I want you to disagree. And I, I these arguments, I like. It. I think they're fruitful. And I think you know we go on and we. We we disagree and then we just move forward, man. And well, me and me and Rubenstein had a good time. I never even got that close to him before. I, I, I always said hello to him, but now we had we had fun. He sent me a video of Mick Maynard giving him my my money. I mean, it's it. What what, what do you? It, it this is good stuff, man. It, it really is all I, around. Danny Danny was gracious in what happened. Didn't you know say anything? We had a lot of laughs. Uh, you asked Mick Maynard. It was it was a fun time, man. It really was and. You know, win, lose, or draw, if you could look at it like that, I think you move on way better in your life. Than, imagine getting up every morning and you just negativity, you're typing to somebody, you suck. And what could your day be like, John? What well, could your day be like? Ray and John, you know, I, I also appreciate the fact that, you know, in a world where we love to disagree and people spit venom at each other and all that stuff, um, I, I think it's rare especially in, in today's environment where someone uh, let's say got something, maybe a, a different perspective and they go back and they say, actually, you know what? I, I actually got that wrong. You're yeah. right. You know? And, and the fact that John was able to go back and watch that and go, wait a sec. Yeah. I actually scored that for Aljo. You were right. You were absolutely right. I, I think it takes uh, way more intelligence and way, way more humility to go back, watch it and go, actually, I, I did have it wrong and admit that. So, um, I, I yeah. think that that hey, is look. very much appreciated, Johnny. Hey, hey, look, John. At the end of the day, whether you're a ref, a judge, the president of the company, 
when you got as many pelts on the wall as me, then come talk. Huh. Up until that <laughs> time, baby, it's all good. It's all love, man. I can't. I mean, it's, it, this is a great feeling. Well, and I would hope there wouldn't be like hundreds of rounds where I would turn. But I'm telling you right now, over 11 years, dozens of rounds that I would see differently, I'm sure, watching yeah. it back. you know, 100%. I mean, and I think about how many times in the 350-episode history of this show have we gone back and watched fights for purposes of right. this exercise. Ray, we got to go. Oh, have yeah. a great Sunday. All right, guys. Um, Happy Easter much again. Love. Happy Passover to everybody out there. My man. I love my Minutemen. Thanks for supporting me while everybody's trying to shoot me down. <laughs> it's all good, baby. Dodge those bullets, there Ray. Uh, take it easy, man. Slipping and sliding, Kenny. You can't get <laughs> <laughs> Long go minute every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. All right, we need to get to the pronunciation of the week because Big Gun Brian Petrie has been waiting for a long time. We call on our producer here, Cody Merrow. And I'll just say, too, in terms of, you know, like it was brought to my attention that Big Gun Brian Petrie had some criticism about Dominic Cruz's commentary. You know, like Dominic Cruz is one of my best friends. Brian Petrie is increasingly becoming one of my dear friends. So, but sometimes you just got to tell it like it is. And uh, Big Gun's going to join us in a minute. Hi, Cody. Hello, how's it going? Remember the name. Remember the name, remember the show, Bilal Muhammad. All right, we got two pronunciations of the week. So first one, this is going to be fun today, uh, is a Bantamweight who competes on the prelim portion of the card this weekend. He faces Cameron Else, nickname Mongolian Murderer. But Cody, we don't need the nickname. We need the pro- the, the pronunciation on the fighter's name. So what do you have for us here? It is uh, Alrinchi Lang. <laughs> Right? A what he wasn't? Alamichi Lang, right? That's how he's going to say it. When right, I play this you file. must have listened to the file. Let's no, hear we've it. had this on before. I knew it. Go ahead. <laughs> My name is Aoru Qilong, Mongolian murderer. <laughs> nope. My name is Aoru Qilong, Mongolian murderer. Dude. <laughs> so. Just a little lens into what we deal with. Oh, no, Richie well, Long, I think it Andre is. Fial you. I mean, gee. Yeah, Fialyo. We go Fialyo. All right. So the second file, Kenny, we're playing um, because it's it's Brazilian Portuguese and it's a name we come across a lot. Okay. It's Jessica Andrade, the former UFC strawweight champion, Jessica Andrade. And you will hear here, here. And, you know, Cody has been in relationships with Brazilian women. And so he's got his old fucking, you know, this dude's got like, Rio de Janeiro regionalisms down pat now. Ken Flo is semi-fluent in Brazilian Portuguese. But the point is that whether you say Andrade or Andrade, she says it two ways on the file. So mm-hmm. I love her, but listen to the file. É, Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade. Andrade, Andrade. So, Kenny, which should we go with? Uh, bo- both are really correct. I mean, Andrade, I would say Andrade. It- it really comes down to accent too. It's like, you know, if I, if I'm from Boston, we've talked about this before. I'm from, if I'm from Boston and you're learning how to say car and I say, ah, you got to get in the car. And they're like, well, I learned my English in Boston. So I'm going to say car that, you know what I mean? What, what is, what is, what is the proper way? What is like the real way? Uh, you know, uh, it should be car. Right? Yeah. I think you're better than me, Kenny. Just you, you think you're better than me because you huh? say car. Found Portuguese, huh? Muito. So, Cody, what would you say? What would you say for Andrade, Cody? Jessica Andrade. All right. So right? we're alive. Yeah. Right? Andre Fiala, yeah. yo. Yeah. I mean, come on. 
you and Longo with the fat. hair today, huh? I mean, pomade well, need not apply, huh? I, I, I travel three hours to Garden City to go to the same barber, and then yeah. I don't train. Right. <laughs> Look at that hair. It's yeah. like a massive wave. Wow, hey, Cody, um, before we get to Big Gun Brian Petrie, um, congrats on Bilal. Um, just been a, a, a nice puff out your chest 10 days for you with Aljo and, and Bilal. You got to feel pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm going to try and get my heart rate down. Like it's already my blood pressure. But I don't know how James Krause does. It. I tweeted this. I was like, I don't know how he does it week in and week out. He's literally in the corner watching his friends fight for money. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. He should just set All up right. a cot over there at the apex. All right. He should. All right. Time to make some picks on the main event challenge. Our guys are hot. Super hot. You guys hitting Bilal <laughs> Muhammad at plus 155. Let's get to the picks as we call on big gun Brian Petrie. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Hey, at MMA Takes Podcast, hey. wearing the sunglasses in honor Sorry, of Bilal Sorry, I'm, I'm just seeing the board so well, boys. My eyes are starting to hurt up a little bit. Let me, <laughs> let me take those off for you guys. What's up? You are on fire. And yes. if I could call on our outstanding intern, Will Berger, to update the standings. I lost my notes, right? I have a booklet here that says 2022 Main Event Challenge presented by DraftKings. And... uh I lost my my tally, but you guys are on fire. You hit Bilal Muhammad. You had to feel pretty good about that plus 155. Oh, oh yeah. I went 12-2 and two on my picks overall. Missed wow. on my big parlay, but I hit Levitt. I hit Kyle. I, I'm, I'm going to butcher his name. I hit Bilal, and I hit Bilal by decision. We're up a couple unis. I'm feeling good. You're on uh, fire. Yeah, we're seeing the board good here, babe. You've been hitting it really well for six weeks. Then you hit my boy Dominic Cruz with a tweet about his commentary. Huh? <laughs> I did. I did. I listen. Uh, when I sent it, my buddy's like, "Hey, do you think John's gonna see that?" I'm like, "No." But no, I listen. I've been following MMA enough to know it's that Dom good, Cruz baby. will say he loves and he'll he'll throw shots at DC who he's sitting right next to. So I'm like, if I'm gonna throw a shot at anybody, and Cruz can handle it. And I just sometimes I feel like he's a little bit robotic. And a little bit non-energy, and you know, and and everyone has their different tastes. People love Dom because listen, the guy knows everything about fighting. He can break the ins and outs. I like mine a little more, you know, add a little spice to it a little bit. Um, so that's all I meant by it. But yeah. no, and uh, it's all good, yeah. baby. And the person yeah. who brought it to my attention thought the way you put it was funny, and that's why they brought it to my attention. Right. Everybody is yeah. entitled to their opinion. Um, so we have UFC lightweight Cl Claudio Puyas waiting in the wings. So we're gonna have yes. to rifle through some of these picks today. Let's do it. Um, because we kind of butchered the clock with Longo. So I want to begin with what I think is an important fight here at flyweight. Manel Cop minus one forty fighting Sue Mudarji, who is plus one twenty. Cops won two in a row. Was a backup for a championship fight in the US. He's number 14 in the world right now. I think he's championship material. I'm less familiar with Sumu Darji, um, but he is the one with the higher ranking, number 12 in the world. Um, Brian Petrie, who do you have here? And ultimately, will you have action on the fight? Oh, yeah. I, I'm a huge Manal Kopp fan. I've been following his career since Risen days. The guy's record is impressive. He, he could be 3-1 in the UFC. I mean, they threw him to the wolves with Pantoja. I thought he beat Nicolau, and then obviously he's on a two-fight win streak now with explosive knockouts. The biggest problem with this guy was he just needs to go. He needs to go, young bull. You need to get after it because his power is there. His technique's there. Early in his career, he was afraid to get taken down. I think his takedown offense is, is, is tightened up a little bit, and his get-up game's getting pretty good. Uh, Sumajari is going to come in there and listen. You know, he, he's a striker himself. 
Uh, he's on a three and one in the UFC. Before he came to the UFC, though, he fought a couple Uber drivers. It looks like on his record, you know, five star Uber drivers, but some Uber drivers on there. And Cobb has, I mean, he's fought the world class talent. And I think this guy's gonna be fighting for one twenty five pound strap. I like Cobb by KO. A lot of action on that. If I'm gonna have a money line, I'm gonna have him KO as well. Uh, give me my now Cobb. All right, Manel Cop minus 140 for Brian Petrie. On the other side, Sumo Darji's won three straight. Once a year, though, can flow once in 2019, once in 2020. Last win all the way back in January of 2021. Who do you like here, Flo? Yeah, listen, I, I see it the same way. Uh, I see a lot of potential in Cop. I, I also like the fact that, you know, he's taking fights to get himself, it seems, a little bit more comfortable in the UFC. Um, and you know, he, he had some killers early on, but I think he really is coming into his own. And I think this is another fight for him to look good, uh, and potentially fight for the belt in the future. And I definitely think that's possible. I like cop here as well. By the way, one of my buddies just like became an Uber driver just for a, a minute, just to see what it was like. Right. And like mm-hmm. all these kids were like fucking banging on him, like calling him a fucking loser. He's like, this isn't great for my Dang. ego, you know, like back to back nights. Everybody like, what's your deal anyway, old man? It's like, listen, kid, you fucking step out the car, put you in a little fucking rear naked choke, you know, because <laughs> um, so, I was actually entertaining, you know, driving an Uber just out of pure curiosity. And now, uh. That kind of curbed my enthusiasm. All right. Macy Barber, Brian, is minus 190 against Montana De La Rosa, plus 160. Uh, fight was supposed to happen last December, UFC 269. It shall be done this weekend. Which way are you going, Kit? Two well-experienced girls, female fighters here at 125. I'm surprised they haven't crossed paths already before. They seem like they fought everyone at 125. I love Barber coming on the contender series. Her confidence and her belief in herself was infectious. Blew out her knee on the Roxy fight, huge favorite on the Roxy fight. And then, you know, come back off the knee surgery lock, gets put in there with a killer Alexa Grasso. And then a really slimy decision over Miranda Maverick, which I think a lot of people maybe had it the other way. Regardless of that, I think Barber is and still is the the the, the, um, the girl in this division that's going to eventually take over. She's 23 years old. Every time we see her, it could be a new fighter in there. I mean, she's learning new skills every single day. I saw her on Instagram. She appears to be in fantastic shape. And Della Rosa, she's solid everywhere. She's tough. She's durable. I think she's going to have the grappling advantage because I don't think Macy likes being on the bottom. I think Macy likes being on top, being the hammer. But we talk about this on the uh, podcast alike. Uh, a lot, excuse me. Uh, Barbara's got that nasty prick in her. She's fucking yeah. mean in there, and I and for that I like Barbara. I wish you could go uh, with that plus money on De La Rosa. I just think Barbara's a more complete fighter. I think she's gonna win by decision. Barbara coming off a split over Miranda Maverick last July. De La Rosa knocked out Ariane Lipsky last June. That was one of her better performances. She is unranked right now, trying to take Macy Barber's number fourteen at the very least. Ken Flo, how do you see it playing out? I do think De La Rosa can, can pose some problems for Barber, um, but I, I like Macy Barber here as well. I, I don't love um, her ability to manage distance so well. I, I think she's a little bit confused as, as to how to enter or how to, um, you know, kind of get things going early in a fight sometimes. It, it takes her a little bit to get things going. Um, and I think it's just her bridging that gap towards uh, getting in the striking range that she's still a little confused about. But um, she is, uh, I think she still has a lot of potential. Uh, you know, as Brian said, she's still very young. She's figuring it out. Uh, and when she does, I think she could definitely pose a lot of problems. So, uh, but I, I think she's more athletic. Uh, I, I think she's going to be more effective on the feet uh, than De La Rosa. De La Rosa's striking hasn't uh, developed. 
uh, that much. I, I think that Brian's correct on the ground that Delarosa would probably have an advantage there if she's able to get on top. Uh, I think that that would probably be the case. But uh, I like Barbara here. I, I think she uh, she wins the uh, wins the fight on, on the judges' scorecards. All right, Kempflow likes Macy Barber by decision. That moves us to a feature bout at heavyweight. I did not look up the pronunciation of Alexander Romanov. So if it's Romanov, I apologize. But we'll go Romanov minus 510. Big price here against Tanner, the bulldozer Bozer, who is plus 375. The Moldovan getting that 5-1 to one respect, Brian, maybe because he's 15-0, 4-0 in the UFC with as many finishes. On the other side, Bozer. Highly touted, been a little bit up and down, has the Canadian been coming off a knockout of Ovin St. Prue. Um, and the only man to finish Bozer in his career, uh, the late Tim Tim Haig back in 2015. Um, so Bozer pretty tough. What do you think he has for Romanov here, Brian? Big boy action. Uh, I've been actually told I resemble Romanov a little bit. You know, I think I got a little more kindness in my eyes than Romanov. He's a machine. <laughs> He's a killer. But I've been, it were relatively the same size. But Romanov is a machine. Slam, beat. Repeat. That's that guy's motto is stand up to a little choppy. I think his takedowns are okay, but he's just so physically strong that he gets away with it. And then his cardio, I think, is still questionable. You go back to that Juan Esposito fight. He was fading, got hit in the nuts, and then they called it. Then we got Bozier, who's got that sweet Kentucky waterfall on top of his head. He's uh-huh. a gorgeous mullet. It really there. is. And he is a complete different, <laughs> uh, different fighter than Romanov. He is quick, elusive, moves his feet in and out, doesn't want the fight to get the ground. And, um, the thing with Bozier is when he's fought really good competition, minus OSP, which I think might be one of his best wins, uh, Arlovsky, gone and Latifi, he's fallen short. And Latifi, who is a good wrestler, who's strong, he's big, took him down quite quite easily. It was a split decision. I had Latifi win that fight, but it was so close. Bozer got up pretty well, but still got taken down a lot. Rolling off a bigger guy, wants to get you down, wants to pound you Yeah, This guy has three forearm choke submissions. That's got to be a record. He shoves his big forearm in your throat and you go to sleep. That's insane. Now, the number's absurd, right? Again, this is heavyweight. Anything can happen. And I thought I learned my lesson when Blades burned me because I, I, I took a Dawkus when I was a huge number. Right. And I don't want to make that same mistake again, but I'm going to because I'm stupid. Give me Bozer. I think he can. I think if he can withstand some of the takedowns late, he can maybe get a TKO if Romanov just completely gasses. You're giving me a gorgeous number at plus 375. I'm taking it. And our scoring system makes a lot of sense. Ken Flo, what do you think yeah. about the feature bout at heavyweight? I think there's no question that there is some good value on Bozer. Um, I, I, you know, when I go back to the Latifi fight, as Brian mentioned, that that's the one that kind of uh, gets me worried about uh, what could potentially happen. I, I think R- R- Romanov um, has a lot of uh, offensive firepower when he gets you on your back. Uh, you know, not only the the choke, but his grounder pound, I think, is absolutely brutal. Um, and I think Bozer, um, you know, could really be exposed there. Um, totally get get that pick uh, for Bozer. I'm going to go with Rom- Romanov. Um, I, I think his wrestling will get it done. I think things will get interesting in the third round if it gets there uh, for Bozer because I do think he's got the power to put Romanov out. But uh, let's go Romanov. All right, co-main event, more on that coming up. It'll be Clay Guida, minus 150, versus Claudio Puyas, who is plus 115, who's going to join us here in a few minutes. So we are not going to pick that fight and make the man wait. But we will need a main event pick, Brian, before we get you on out of here. Jessica Andrade, minus 170. Amanda Lemos, plus 150. A little backdrop for you, Lemos, 11-1. and one. She's never lost in the weight class, right? Dropped her debut in the UFC to Leslie Smith. That was up two divisions at Bantamweight. Now five straight wins. 
She has vaulted to number 10 in the world at 115 pounds. She faces the former champion Andrade back in the weight class. Brian Petrie, who do you have? I know Claudio's waiting, and, I'm, and I appreciate it, but I, I'm taking him over Clay Guida, by the way. That's not a homer pick. Let's go, I Claudio. Love I love it. Uh, Jessica Andrade, like, can we take a minute how badass this girl is? I mean, geez. She is a stud, 135, 125, 115. Doesn't matter. She'll fight anybody. She's usually the most exciting fight on the card, whoever she fights. The only time she disappointed me was the Valentina fight, right? She kind of kind of froze a little bit, and I think Valentina's got that – Anderson Silva prime peak mystique where sometimes they beat fighters yeah. before they get in there. That wasn't the Jessica Andrade we know. And what's crazy is Andrade feels like she's been around forever, former champion. She's fought for a title a few times. She's younger by four years to Domain Lemos, which is, I think, a, a telling here. Lemos beats her own right, big power in her hands, likes to stay on the outside. Um, the Angela Hill fight I thought was very interesting. You know, Angela Hill's a badass herself, brought the best out of Lemos. They both get, you know, gave it all and it was a split decision. But the, I keep going back to the Leslie Smith night. Yes, it was five years ago. Yes, it was up two weight classes. But that was just someone bully balling her in the clinch with some elbows and she didn't like it. Enter Andrade, who is going to be a bully ball in there. She's built like a fire hydrant. I think she needs to mix up her striking with her uh, – with her, where their takedowns or slams, and I think she's going to be good. The one fight I keep going back to Andrade was that third round fight, or excuse me, the second fight with Rose, where it was a split decision. But that third round, Andrade was slowing down. She's walking through the fire, and it, it became close. And Rose is the top of the top. Um, and I think that's going to be a play, a big thing here. This is five rounds. I don't think Andrade is stopping. She's back at 115 here. So she has to make sure her weight cuts right. Uh, I like Andrade by decision here. I thought Andrade won that fight you're referencing yeah. against Rose mm -hmm. Nami Yunus. Uh, that third round was absurd. Yeah, so two and one run can flow for Andrade at flyweight. Lone loss there, of course, to Valentina Shevchenko. Now back in what is ubiquitously regarded as her best division. Your thoughts on her here about a two to one favorite against Lemos? Boy, uh, I, I think this is a tough one. I, I think uh, Lemos is easily the, the better striker. I, I love her ability to read opponents. Uh, she has a lot of sophisticated baits and traps that she uses on the feet. Um, you know, grappling wise, wrestling wise, I think she has some stuff to top to stop, uh, Andrade's takedowns, but over time, I think it's going to be extremely difficult. I think if Lemos gets it done here, I think she needs to get it done early. Um, I think there's some value on her though. Um, I, I'm a fan. I think Andrade is, is always going to be a problem with her takedowns and ability to control, um, but Lemos isn't, isn't too shabby on the, on the ground either. Um, but it, it's either going to be a decision, uh, by Andrade or some kind of finish by Lemos, but, uh, I'll take, I'll take the gamble here on Lemos. I, I, I see some value here. Nice. Kempo feeling a little bit frisky on an Easter Sunday. If you want more from Brian Petrie at MMA takes podcast, BP, always great to see your shining face. Yes. Um, a little something in the mail for you. Uh, hey. the parting stop before we let you go. Yes. Kenny PFL this Wednesday. Right? Yes. My boy Dom Magis fighting is an underdog right now. That's going to be another free pick for you boys right there. I like him at the underdog spot. He's about plus 120 right now. He's a great guy. Kill it, Kenny. That's it, boys. Thank you. Thanks, Happy brother. Easter. You're the man. Happy Easter. We'll have more time next week and obviously yeah. looking ahead to Rob Font and Cheeto Vera. Great stuff as always, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. I'll see you, boys. There he is, Brian Petrie, with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. And we go right back to the guest line now, just six days before he takes part in the co-main event of UFC Fight Night against Clay Guida. How handsome is this guy, by the way? <laughs> UFC lightweight contender, Claudio El Nino Puyas. Great to see you, my man. We apologize for the wait. How's your fight week going, my man? Where are you right now? Are you still in Florida? 
Yeah, what's up, uh, John and Kenny? What's up, guys? Uh, I'm in Florida. Yes, I'm in my apartment right now. I'll be leaving on Tuesday for for Vegas. Well, it's great to see you. So how long have you been in Florida at Sanford MMA? It's been a little over a year now, like a year and two months. And it's been a, it's been a great time here. I enjoy living down in South Florida. It's pretty good. Very different than Peru. And uh, the training environment for me is the, the main thing, the main thing that made me move here. You know, Ken Flo's got a lot of Peruvian blood, so I feel like, Kenny, I should just sort of back out and let you guys do your thing. Um, but obviously, he's got a lot of momentum in fighting uh, your former opponent, Clay Guida, this weekend. Yeah, Claudia, uh, what has been the, the big difference uh, in you moving to Florida? How has it changed your game, you think? I feel like I, I'm finally living the life of an athlete like I should have. In Peru, it was very hard to to stay, to stay be consistent. Oh, sorry, guys. Some, something popped up. Okay. Um, That's right. In Peru, it was very hard to be consistent as an athlete. I, I had like, um, well, I had some injuries in the past, but also then COVID came and they closed, closed us down. Like I was like stuck in my apartment. It's just too many, too many distractions at the time. Uh, I saw all the, I saw Sanford MMA here, all the stuff that was going on here. And I was like, I need to be there. Uh, I had lived here before in Miami when I was a young kid and, so I kind of knew the place around. Uh, I just needed to move a little more north. And, yeah, I came, and I think it was a great move for me. Fit me well. You're, you're fighting Clay Guida, a guy that I fought all the way uh, back in the day. Uh, it, it's amazing that he's still fighting at this point, um, and, and he's still pretty dangerous. You know, how, how do you break down Clay Guida as a fighter at this stage of his career? Sorry. Um, yeah, I see, I see that nice picture you got behind you. Yeah, that's right. I just, yeah. I hope I can have mine the same like that. <laughs> You'll probably get his knee, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whatever, whatever I can get, I'll be happy. Uh, I think I think it's gonna be a good fight. When they offered me, I didn't hesitate on, on, on taking the fight. I thought I was gonna get something different. Like I didn't expect to get like a Hall of Famer, so I, I was pretty happy. I thought maybe like someone closer to the ranking, but. I don't even know where he's at right now. I don't know where I'm at right now, but I know I'm going to go in there and do, do, do my job. Like, I'm very prepared for this. Uh, I've been waiting for, for a good opportunity for years. For me, for the Peruvian people, the, the Peruvian MMA community, I feel they needed uh, a big fight like this. Like, we all needed, like, um, someone to represent us, and I'm, I'm happy to, to be the man. You are the man. So how long have you been fluent in English? Uh, I don't know, like all my life, I think. Like, yeah, so obviously you spent some time, your formative years in Miami. But, you know, I watched your post-fight press conference this morning after your win over Chris Gritzmacher. And, you know, no interpreter needed. You know, you could barely tell English is your second language. And in terms of resonating with an audience around the world, um, you know, you open up a lot of opportunities for yourself because you've sort of embraced that, you know, so good on you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I went to um, a school where they, English was basically the first language, like when I was like six or seven and yeah. then I moved here when I was 14. So between those like two things, I learned pretty well. I was like, yeah. speaking like fluently. So Claudio Puyas joining us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So in any other division, four straight wins, you probably have a, have a number next to your name. 
but obviously at lightweight, despite the the fact that it was a big 2021 for you, no ranking yet. Um, so big win last December, obviously you prioritized a finish. You were able to get another finish. Um, when you went back and watched that fight, I'd imagine you've done that. Um, how did you assess your last performance in the octagon? So I think I shut down uh, Chris' game because he's very relentless, especially on the later rounds. I knew he was going to be uh, hard to stop if I didn't finish him early. But I also knew he was hard to finish early as well. So so it was a tough tough match. But uh, I think I, I shut him down good. I, whenever he was growing momentum, I just like clinch him up or um, did something to like stop him. I still think I had a couple of mistakes. I did, I did some things wrong in the fight, which I already correct. I already got it better. And uh, I'm a better fighter now than I was a year ago. Like when I first came back on 2021, um, it was hard. I had been almost in the cage, almost in like two years. It was my first training camp in Sanford outside of Peru. And I still won my fight against an undefeated fighter in, in Jordan Levitt, who which he won yeah. yesterday night. Yep. But I just feel like I'm like levels ahead today. Like I'm a I'm I'm way better than I was ten months ago. And who are the primary training partners? I mean, I know the coaching staff pretty well, but who are the bodies that you're relying on down here? I get I get this question asked a lot because like people know how how many good training partners uh, you have in Sanford, so it's an interesting question. Well, for this camp, I've been training a lot with uh, Nick Lenz, his his coach, but uh, yeah, but he's very good. He's very good. He he moves very well. He mixes he mixes up the game. I've also been training a lot with uh, Jared Gordon. He fights next weekend. He he's a pretty good partner as well. They're yeah, kind of same. They kind of seem high as play, and they come forward a lot. Those two, so yeah, they can mimic think, that think, game really well. Yeah, yeah, I've been using them a lot. I mean, I train with a lot more people, but I feel like those two were the the the, the guys I've been like thinking they could kind of push me like like my opponent is gonna do. So you win that fight last December. Like, do you go back to Peru? Like, how are you navigating that part of your life, or did you stay in Florida and just keep with it? I didn't. I didn't. I'm going after this fight. Okay. Uh, I'm looking very forward to it. I have some some new things there that are um, um, like new sponsors, like a lot of a lot of stuff that I want to go back and like and do. I want to visit my family as well. I think it's like the longest I've ever been far from Peru, like the longest time in a while <laughs> since I was a kid and I came to to Miami. It's been a right. long time. Well, that's great. Well, we wish you all the best. Before I let you go. Your 26th birthday is Thursday. Is that right? Yes. So you're uh, going to be cutting, not cake. You're going to be cutting weight <laughs> Thursday night, right? The worst day, like the day huh. before Wayne's. For me, it's like the worst day. Like yeah. on Wayne's is good because I'm actually going to get to eat. So I'm happy. I'm looking forward to that day. But the day before Wayne's is the worst one. And well, you know, when I said, when I accepted the fight, I knew I was like, I wanted to fight one more time being 25, but right. I don't mind. Like, you know, <laughs> life. Like, yeah. I'm going to get this sick fight. I'm going to get ranked. I'm going to get a finish, and it will be all worth it. Well, it's amazing to see where you've come from the Ultimate Fighter Latin America to have this UFC winning streak and uh, certainly putting Peru on the map. We wish you all the best with the showcase this weekend and uh, shaping up as a big 2022 for uh, for Claudio Puy. Yes. Thank you for joining us, my man, and uh, we will see thing. you. Are, yes, are you of course. Are you in the fight? 
I am not going to be in Vegas this weekend, oh. unfortunately. I know. I'm uh, I'm bummed. You know, when they call my number, I show up, but uh, they didn't call my number this week. So, all right, John. Uh, what, one question for Kenny. Like, I always wanted to know what, how, how's your, can you tell me a little bit about, about your Peruvian part? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, my dad uh, grew up in Chiclayo and my mom from Lima. So, both my parents are from Peru. And uh, I've been, I guess, three, four times over the course of my my life. I haven't been able to go recently, but um, yeah. So. Oh wow! You both your parents? That's crazy. I didn't know both that. My parents, I thought maybe your yes. mom or your dad. Wow! But yeah. uh, you were born in in Boston. I was born in Boston. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So. Nice. Well, yeah, man. Nice. I, 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 I've been I've been uh, loving what you've been doing, man, and uh, super proud, and uh, can't wait to see you. Uh, get get the fight and get the win uh, against uh, Clay. Thank you, thank you. I know I'm gonna represent very well. I like Clay, but it's my fight, it's my time. Like, you know, like I'm not gonna go in there to like try stuff. I'm gonna go in there to win, like 100. Yeah, Ken Flo's like a legitimate Peruvian, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, I always want to know. Yeah, what's well, never he's sure. legit. He's legit. He ha he's gonna get the Peru flag tattooed on his body if he wins the <laughs> UFC championship. So you win the UFC lightweight title, he's getting the tattoo. So yes. um, let's go, Claudio. Hey, real quick before I let you go, um, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje. Obviously, the belt in your division is going to be on the line here in a couple weeks. You think you think Charles remains the champ, or you think Justin gets it done? I think he remains the champ, even even though um, Justin is a very like I think one of his toughest like matchups if he if they stay on the feet. But I think he'll eventually like get to the grappling and, and choke him out. He's he's very good today. Like he's at a, he's at a, he's at a very high level today. All right, you can watch UFC lightweight Claudio Puyas live on ESPN Plus this weekend in the co-main event against Clay Guida. Appreciate your time, my man, and uh, we will be watching live this Saturday night. Have a great fight. Thank you, guys. There he is, Claudio Puyas, El Nino, with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Kenny's not going to get that tattoo, folks. I feel like I said it, so I should probably get the tattoo. Seems a little much, you know. I got. I feel like I have to get the Brazilian flag tattoo before the Peruvian one. But I guess if if Claudio Puyas wins hey. the UFC lightweight title, we'll figure out a way to get some Peruvian tattoo. I tell you, he's uh, a talented kid, man. He's got heart for days, and uh, it seems like he's uh, very invested in the game. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he what he can do in the UFC. And I'm being told by our great man, Cote Cruz, who helped us coordinate with Claudio Puyas, that El Nino was the early gimmick. It's now the Prince of Peru. Can you yes. change the nickname paging UFC researcher Tom Gerbasi? Have him announce Cote. Effect change. Have him be announced as the Prince of Peru, Claudio Puyas. And it shouldn't be Claudio, the Prince of Peru, Puyas. Nickname on the front end. We ain't fucking around here. It's the Iron Long <laughs> Paul Felder, right? The Prince of Peru, Claudio I love Puyas. It. Taking on Clay Guida this weekend. All right. Remember the show with Bala Muhammad coming up Thursday night. The celebration is officially on for those guys. If you want the merchandise, anikflorianpodcast.com. Do we get a promo code from our guy, Cody? Maybe we'll get one. Do we have a Mero Seconds today? Is Cody going to chime on and tell us what we missed for the fourth consecutive week? Or is he ill-prepared with his lettuce going everywhere? I'm always prepared. My man. ill-prepared? My God. It's Come time on, for the Mero Seconds. One more sleep merch, by the way, at millions.co, promo code ANIC2 for 10% off. KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. <laughs> Bala Muhammad is going to go buy the jujitsu class. I'm just kidding. <laughs> People can't take a joke, you know? 
Will Berger, our intern, you're the fucking man. We got to thank you before we get out of here. Um, all right, Mero, what do we miss, my man? What do we, oh, fam15, anacloreanpodcast.com, 15% off your entire order. Fam15 is the promo code, anacloreanpodcast.com. Cody, what do you have? Code Longo2. If you're, if you're privy, it's the same discount, but Longo, you know, just the word Longo, code. just Longo. All right. Use fam 15 though. I mean, we yeah, don't need yeah. the metrics telling us that everybody's <laughs> buying merch for fucking right. So that PFL event that uh, Brian Peachy brought up is on 420. So might need a yes. reminder, everyone. So set, set your clocks. Tempo going to uh, be lit in the broadcast. I will be. <laughs> I might sound, I'm sounded, but I'm going to go so Ken for the Consider the, <laughs> the Snoop cast to have the Wiz Khalifa cast, right? Because he's, he's, like, oh, he's like the brand ambassador. It'd be him and Marshawn stoned as hell. Like, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I would watch that. Wiz Khalifa's bong is is unbelievable. Next level. <laughs> um, so the Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens is headlining that, right? He's the headliner? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, John, he's facing Clay Collard. So both former UFC fighters, correct? You Who know how think- Boston say Collard? Collard. Clay Collard. What do you think the odds Collard. are here, kid? What do you think the odds are? Collard and Stevens? Yeah. Uh, we'll go uh, Clay Collard minus 150, Jeremy Stevens plus 120. Collard minus 125. Right, not Stevens far off. minus 105. Getting some value not there, I guess. Off. Interesting. Uh, Cejudo back in the USADA pool. That means he's eligible to fight in October. So wow. set, setting up some stuff that has yet to say who he wants to fight. What weight class? Kind of all up in the air. He's training with John Jones. I don't think he's going to go that high. But huh. he... It's not going to get the Volkanovsky fight, I wouldn't believe. Sorry to the captain, Eric Albaracin, if you don't like that noise. But I don't know that he's going to jump the queue at featherweight, Kemflo. But uh, mm. it's exciting to have him back, you know, as he attempts to eventually become the artist known as C4. <laughs> Dude, he's a beast, man. And, and again, I think uh, I think he's he's done great things as a coach as well. So uh, clearly, you know, a gifted athlete, that is for sure. Yeah. But um Good, good head on that, on those shoulders, huh? Can flow back in the USADA pool for fun. <laughs> had never left. How fucking clean he is. Never left. Just always <laughs> ready for that next title shot. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Cody, uh, do you have anything else? So the last back. thing, I'm going to have you guys guess two odds for the May 7th pay-per-view. All right? Rose versus Carlo. What do you think that currently is sitting at on DraftKings Sportsbook? Minus 320 plus 260. No. Not even close. Kenny? No idea. It's what far closer than you think. Rose minus 170. Carlo plus 150. Wow. Yeah. Some serious value to be had. You can get me in trouble with predictive language like this, Cody, right? Because well, now you should I am fifth. on the record as saying that I feel <laughs> like Rose should be a bigger favorite than she is against Carlo. I'm just saying, do you know what Kenny Florian's <laughs> record was when he made his UFC debut? Anybody? Do you know? Do you know? I don't know. Kenny, do you know? I don't even know what three and one was two and one two. And- <laughs> if two I'm not one. mistaken, Let's I go on your Wikipedia page today to find out exactly when you fought Clay Guida to see if our man Pooey yes, actually went back to Oh nine to watch the film. Um, but Rosama Yunus was two and one as a pro when she fought Carla the first time is all, but go ahead, Cody. Crazy. Well, I'm just going to bleep it out anyway. No, one's no, going to even right. know. Huh. Um, so Kenny Chandler Ferguson, who do you think is the, what do you think the odds are? We won't make John guess. Chandler Ferguson, I would say, I want to guess say, m- minus minus two eighty for Chandler and Ferguson uh, plus two twenty. Chandler's running at about a minus four hundred. Oh, oh, really? That high? Wow! 
Wow. Plus 300 and on the Ferguson. And then he disappears like a ghost. What about champ shit only, though, you know? Fucking Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Don't count him out. That's a great card. UFC 274. I know you got PFL obligations. We got to get you to one of these pay-per-views, though, Kemflo. You bailed on us in Jayville, you know? I know. I mean, how's your son? He's great. He's great. Good. He's going through a little growth spurt right now. He's eating everything in sight, kid. That's everything. good. That's yeah, good. It's a monster. That's good, man. That's good. Hopefully. Yeah. And probably fucking smash my son. <laughs> Arthur Florian, incidentally, with a jujitsu gym in his house. <laughs> uh, we got to get on out of here. Thanks to Ray Longo, to Brian Petrie. Thank you to Claudio Puyas and to our guy Cote Cruz for helping put it together. Don't forget, remember the show with Bilal coming up this Thursday. And we are back with you next Sunday, April 24th. We will recap UFC Fight Night, Lemos versus Andrade. And, of course, look ahead to a monster Bantamweight uh, main event on April 30th between Marlon Chito Vera and Boston's Robert Font. With that, for Ken Flom, John, and thank you all for listening, for watching, for subscribing. Big announcement in the next few weeks. Until then, tell your friends you'll fucking later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.